well in Genesis, we've learned a lot of things in the book of Genesis, haven't we? We've seen the depravity of man. We've seen God's covenant. And last week we had a really, really encouraging um, lesson about God's promises and God's faithfulness, even when we are not faithful. But we did see something in Abram that was um, something that's going to turn up a little bit today. Abram had a lack of faith, didn't he? Abram had said, God, you gave me this promise and it's been a while since it showed up. So, God, I want you to do something for me. I want you to uh, I, how are you going to manifest this? I only have my servant Eleazar. And so God promises him that I am going to give you a son from your loins. And so we see, and we, as we start in Genesis chapter 16, how this plays out after Abram has seen a beautiful covenant from God and a vision of God walking through the fire pots and, or, or by, as a fire pot and, and a torch. And he's walking um, through um, the halves of the animals given an everlasting covenant. And we pick up now at Genesis chapter 16. And we're going to start at Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. And we can read that together. And let, what did it say? Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now, we see something uh, right there that's upsetting the natural order. What happened uh, in the garden? What happened in paradise when Adam and Eve was there? Who did God give a command to? They gave it to Adam. Did Adam hold to his command or did he did he abdicate and allow somebody else to lead? He allowed his wife to lead instead of him leading his wife. And it caused all sorts of prom, uh, problems. And last week we see that God gives the promise to who? He, to the man. He gives it to Abram. He gives this promise to Abram and, and he tells Abram that I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But now as we come into the script, we look at this and who's doing the talking? Can anybody tell me who's doing the talking? His wife is, is doing the talking. So in other words, his wife is running the what? Show. And, and, and this shows us that although Abram is the called uh, father of many nations, that anytime that a man doesn't stand up and be a man and lead his family well, this is a charge to men, there are implications that are going to come behind that. There's nothing wrong with listening to your wife. Sometimes your wife has good ideas. Most times your wife has good ideas if you were a good pick. And if she doesn't, you're the person that picked her. You blame yourself. <laughs> but at the end of the day, most times your wife has good ideas and, and you want to have a plurality there. You want to be able to talk and you want to be able to pray together and you want to be able to discuss issues and things together. But at the end of the day, who is going to be held accountable for leading your house? The man is going to be held accountable for leading his house. And we see immediately, Hagar, she gives Abram uh, an idea. The problem is God made Abram a promise, but Sarah's upset because the promise hasn't come through her. So she's decided she's going to help God out. And as weird as this sounds, as crazy as this sounds, um, this is not an uncommon practice. This is not an uncommon practice at all because women who do not have children uh, during childbirth, that's considered 
uh, very, very shameful in their culture. It is a bad thing. And so many times women in that culture, if they had servants, would have babies through their servants and take those babies as their own, like a surrogate adoption. So although this looks weird to us, this is something culturally that... Um, that they probably would have been exposed to. But God told Abraham to come out from among your people and your kindred and, and your wives and things like, and all these people. I want to create something new in you. But when we wait on the promises of God and God hasn't showed up, isn't it funny how we immediately start to go back to some things? That, that we start to try to do things our way again. We have faith. We get excited. But when it doesn't show up, when we want to show up, we try to, what we say in the South, hope God out. I need to stop and pray for a second right now. Brother Bob, I'm praying for your shoulder right now. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that you touch his body. Lord God, ease that pain in the name of Jesus. We thank you right now for what you're doing in his body. We believe it and we receive it in the name of Jesus that you will let that pain subside so that he may be able to focus uh, on the word of God. We thank you, uh, God, that you are still a healer and we believe you for that, to perform that work. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Broadcast and no broadcast. We still a church. So we're, we're going to stop and pray. The Lord put it on my heart to do that. Um, we, we see. We see that the order has what? Flipped. Does this seem like a lot of what we see today in our modern families? We see. What do, you, what do we see? Do we see a lot of men taking the lead? Do we see a lot of men leading their homes? Even when you come to church, what do you mostly see most times? Women. Now, this is a little different, I think. And here, if I scan, this may be rare that the men are actually outnumbering the women. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. But a lot of times, men have abdicated that leadership position because they simply don't know how important they are. And when you're not following God, he, when he stopped following God and started following the advice of his wife, he came to a standstill because he's going to do something that's detrimental. And that first question, number one, is I like it. Uh, and you'll see on question number one, it says one reason we can trust the Bible is because it does not erase. And that F word right there is the flaws of its heroes that the people, most people, when they write a book, the hero is usually the good guy. He's always doing the right thing. Have you ever noticed many times the heroes in the, in the Bible do do crazy stuff? The Bible is accurate. It's not trying to, to make a false narrative. It's showing you exactly what's there. And that's encouraging. You know why? Because all of us have what? Flaws. All of us have issues. And it's encouraging to know that the enemy can't hold us to a condemnation. Why? Because God can use us. I'm so glad my salvation is based on God's goodness and not my goodness. Me being used is based on his choice and not on my choice that although Abram is flawed and he's already abdicated his position. Since we've seen this, we've seen Abram bring his nephew along that he wasn't supposed to bring along. We've seen him sell his wife to save his skin. And now we see him about to make a huge, huge mistake. Let's look at that. Uh, we're going to go uh, to verse three. Uh, but, but right before that, when she says, perhaps I can build a family through her, it says Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. It's important as men, and this is for the guys, that we don't go along to get along. 
when you know what's right, that doesn't mean you're an ogre, but never ever, you're responsible for your family. You're responsible to leave your family in, in, in devotion. Don't capitulate to keep the house happy. I heard the saying for years, happy wife, what? Happy life, happy wife, happy life. If you interviewed Adam, would he say that? Because his wife was happy. Because she did, he did what she what? But was he happy? No, happy God, happy life. I'd rather please God than please what? Men. And so sometimes that means you're going to have to make choices that go countercultural. Sometimes you're going to have to make choices that aren't necessarily the most popular, but it's for the good of all. But this time we see Abraham agreed with her. She basically says, I'm going to give you my servant to be your concubine or your wife. And Abraham agrees. So let's go to verse three. Let's see what it says. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Now, God gave him a problem. God gave him a promise. It's been a decade because God didn't show up when he wanted him to show up. He decided to take matters into his own way. And now he's going to give birth to something that's going to cause him and his family a problem the rest of their life. Thousands of years. And we still have the Israeli-Palestinian conflicts and the Israelis and the Arabs are fighting who are the cousins. Why? They all go back to Father Abraham simply because one man decided not to stand up and leave. Simply because one man decided to say, you know what? God made me a promise. If he made me this promise, I'm going to stand on this promise. He couldn't see a way out. You had a vision God has given you. So you've seen God work before, but you decided to do, uh, do it another way. And now this is when a conflict begins. Thousands of years later, there are repercussions. Why is it important for us as men to know? Because what you do now will affect your lines way, way, way down the line. I was talking to a very close friend, a young man I, I, I mentored. I look at him like a brother and almost like a son. And, and we were talking one day and he was talking about where he used to be and some of the mentorship that we did. And he was grateful for listening to the things we had taught him and where he was. And I said something to him. I said, when I did it, I didn't just see you. And he stopped for a second. I said, I saw your son. Because if I could change you and change the trajectory that you're on, you're going to raise your child to what? Do better. And that whole family line is gone down, can be changed by changing the heart of one brother who goes and has a family, who leads his family well in Christ. You could change the world. We talk about that. Reach the what? Lost. Teach the found and change the world one life at a time. Well, we don't have 10 million people uh, coming to church. Well, that's okay. Can you change one? Can you reach one? Can you reach one person? Because if you can, there's greatness on the inside that God has put there, not for your glory, but for his. Now, let's see how this works out. Anybody think this is going to work out pretty well? Take, take my servant and go have a baby by her. Any, any takers that th think this is going to work out really good? Nobody? Isn't it amazing how all of us in here can see this is not a good idea. This is not a good idea at all. But somehow Abel says, 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do this. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had something that you look back in retrospect and said, that was not a good idea, but at the time, it seemed like the best option that you what, had. So that's why it's important to stand on the promises of God and stand on the, on the word. The Bible says this, trust in the Lord with all thy what? Heart and lean not to thy own what? Understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge what? Him and he will direct your paths. That means sometimes you're going to have to be patient when you want to move. Don't be premature in moving because what you could do is give birth to something that's going to be a, a detriment for you for years to come. Now, let's see how Hagar responds to this. The Bible says when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Hmm. Verse five, let's read that together. Then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering. Wait, wait just one minute. Does anybody see anything wrong with this? Can somebody tell me what's wrong with this picture? She, it was her suggestion. And now, because it's gone south, she blames what? Him. Have you ever done that before? You blame somebody and say, you made me act out of character. You made me lose my temper. No, you chose to lose your temper. It's important. We talked about that this Sunday uh, when we were talking about, um, about these types of things. And we were talking about repentance. They invited conflict into their life. And question number three says this. Had they waited on God, their lineage would have had less a less conflict in life. They invited conflict into their life by involving the wrong people into the wrong relationships and the positions. Now, I'm going to say that a question for uh, later, the next part of that question. Hagar was doing fine as a maidservant. The problem is you took a maidservant and made her your second wife, which means there's nothing wrong with Hagar but you have put her in a relationship relationally where she does not belong in your life. It's going to cause a what? Problem. Have you ever had a relationship that was in your life that was causing you problems? That before you, you took it to this level, you guys used to be good buddy buddies, but now that person has taken a seat in your life, a prominence in your life that they really shouldn't be in, and now it's causing conflict. So that's why I asked the question, who is sitting in the wrong seat at your table? It's important for us to evaluate our lives because just because we started with somebody doesn't mean we what? Finish with those people. Sometimes we come up with people and we'll say, I came up with Timmy and me and Timmy were great and, and we were we were friends all this time, but now you have a job and your job pays you nicely and Timmy likes to do things that end people up in jail. You cannot have a friendship like that with Timmy anymore because it's not that Timmy's gonna hurt himself as much, but Timmy can destroy everything that you work for because you put him at the wrong seat in your what? Life. That's why it's important for us to evaluate our relationships. Sometimes people try to put themselves in. Hagar didn't do this. This is not her fault. This is Sarah's fault. This was Sarah's idea. Poor Hagar is caught up in the middle of something she had nothing to do with. But she's in this conflict simply because she's in a place in which she does not what? Belong. There's a lot of people that won't progress in life 
because they keep the wrong people in their life. And when they keep those people in their life, they can't ever go. They say, I can't see why I can't get ahead. I can't see why I can't move forward because those people can't go with you. And you've taken those people and elevated them to a spot that does not belong. You put them on the wrong seat in your life. I'll give you a prime example. This is going to be tight. Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of, let's read it in the proper, proper way, of his wife. Not every woman, but his wife. And God is the head of what? Christ. But, and I'm not picking, but how many marriages have been destroyed because the woman took her kids and put them in the place of where her husband's attention should have been? Who comes first, the kids or your husband? But who do you generally to put first? And now your husband's, that's where jealousy comes from. Sometimes jealousy can be good. God has a jealousy. He, he's a jealous God. And that jealousy comes, sometimes it can be bad. But sometimes jealousy simply means there's somebody sitting in my spot that should not be in my spot. And I feel like I am what? Affronted. But it works both ways. Guys get married and they run out every weekend to hang out with the fellas and leave their wives what? At home. They put their friends in the spot that their wife should what? Be. Or you have single friends and now you're married and you're still hanging out with your single what? Friends. And trouble comes because you allow people to stay in spaces in which they should not what? Be. It causes trouble down the line if you don't deal with it. Can you see that? So I asked that question again, and that's a question for somebody um, it, it, that's out, out in social media land, too. Who's in the wrong seat at your table? What priority or relationship have you placed in the wrong spot? Now, let's keep going. I'm going to get off of that for somebody Somebody get warm. <laughs> no, you guys won't do that. Uh, you're a good bunch. Verse 6. Now, let's see how sniveling Abraham is. You would think Abram would stand up for this lady and say, no, I'm not, this is not just my fault because she says, you did this. You're responsible uh, for what's happening to me. You're responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms and now she, that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. No accountability. Does that sound like our culture somewhat today? You do something and it's somebody else's what? Fault. You can't get ahead and it's somebody else's what? Fault. That can be a very slippery slope to a place that you don't want to go. So let's see how Abram handles this. Is he finally going to stand up and say, yes, this is wrong. I'm taking accountability. We should have never done this and now it's causing things and I'm going to find a way to fix it because I'm the man and I should take accountability. Does he do that? No. Let's see what verse 6 says. Let's read. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. She's not just her slave. She gave her to you to be your what? Wife. Now, polygamy is not good. But once again, you passed the buck. You didn't deal with the issue. You told her to deal with the issue. And here's the deal. 
if this was the promise God was giving you and you know she's upset and she's carrying your child, why would you tell her do whatever you want to the servant? Because whatever affects Hagar affects what? Your child. Be careful what you say about your baby's mothers. Be careful what you say about your exes. Because how you treat them can have implications and effects on the children that are being birthed. They can get wounds from scars and arguments that happen between other people. It's important for us to be careful how we treat people. Even if the relationship is not a legitimate relationship, even if the relationship ended in a bad way, we can still handle a bad thing in a good way. We can fix it and try to move forward respectfully. But Abraham just says, I don't care what you do with it. Do with it whatever you want. Let's see what she does with it. Verse, um, the end of verse six, I'm going to read that. It says, then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. She treated her bad. She's treating Hagar bad when she's the reason Hagar is in the position she's in. Hagar is a slave. She can only do what she's told to do. She has no right over her life. She has no right over her body in this culture. She's a slave. Whatever they tell her to do, she has to do. You ordered her to do something, and now you're coming back, and you're punishing her for it. Does this seem right to you guys? I almost called this lesson entangled, but I decided, I decided not to do that. This, we don't have to look to today to see dysfunction. We can see dysfunction from almost the what? Beginning. This is wild. Who said the Bible is born? Wow. Let's see what verse 7 says. Let's read this together. Then the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road of Shur, and he said, Hagar, your servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress Sarai, she said. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. This sounds very similar. You've heard something like this before, haven't you? She's going to get a promise because he's Abraham's what? See, she's still going to get the promise, even though she made some mistakes in life. Oh, Jesus. I need somebody who with a record to listen to me. I need somebody with, with, with some things you don't want to come to the surface to, 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 to listen to me. I want somebody who's got a bad past. That's just about everybody, but a past that people know about. I want you to be encouraged because even though your past might be bad, you might have made some mistakes. Life may be holding you down. Don't you know that God can take your mess and make a blessing out of it? You can't be held to your, your, your past. She has essentially almost become a single mother out there on her own with no support. She's run away. Do you know how scared and upset you have to be to run away in the desert with jackals and scorpions and no food and no water? Do you realize how harsh she was treated? There's somebody listening to me right now. You've been through a lot of stuff in your life. You've taken a lot of bumps and bruises 
And guess what? Some of it has not been your fault. Yes, let's be real. Some of it's our fault, but some of it hasn't been your fault. You've been the victim of some things and you have been beaten and you have life has beat you down and you feel like I'm running for my life. I just wake up every day hoping that I could just make it to the next day. Sometimes it hurts to get out of bed. And when I wake up, I'm running from the person that I see in the mirror. And all of a sudden you realize God's got a promise for you too. Oh, Jesus. Although she's not going to get Abraham and Sarah's promise, God still has a promise for her. Despite all of her pain, if you go to the Middle East right now, these high oil prices that we are paying right now, people, why we're begging people to, to pay us to let us get some of their oil instead of using our own. Do you know who that is? That's Hagar's seed. That even though she was in a precarious position, although she's in a place where she's down in the dumps and life, it really isn't that great for her. God has not forgotten her. Oh, Jesus. She has somebody taking something out on her. But I want you to know, I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to know that God has not forgotten you. You may feel like you've made too many mistakes to recover from. There is no mistake that you can't recover from because the furthest you can go is death. And God has conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he is life. And when he gives you life, there is nothing that can stop you. If God be for us, who can be against us? It may not play out as perfectly as somebody else's, but God is still taking care of you. He says that she, he says that you are now with child. Verse 11. Let's read that together. Verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord also said to her. Now stop. What does angel mean? Messenger, right? Yes. So if he's carrying a message, who is this really speaking to her? These are the words of the Lord. Through his servant, he's bringing a message from who? God. God has not forgotten you. You might feel like he had. I've been in some situations where I felt like God had forgotten me. God, you made me some promises and, and I've screwed them up, God. And there's no way to make those promises come, come to fruition. I've come to tell you that if God has made you a promise, he has not forgotten you. Don't give up. The angel of the Lord also said unto her, let's read together. You are now with child and you will have a what? Son, not just a daughter, but to have a son is a great honor in, in, in this culture. And sons mean that you're not going to go destitute because even if you're a widow, if you have sons, they can provide for you and take care of you. God is saying, I'm not going to leave you hanging out here by yourself. Other people's decisions may have put you in a bad situation, but I have not forgotten you. People may forget you. Your parents may forget you. Your friends may forget you. Your so-called friends may get, forget you. Your enemies and your frenemies may forget you, but God won't forget you. Now, he says, you shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. Ishmael means that God hears. Somebody needs to hear that. 
You might be dealing with a chronic illness or a chronic pain. You might be dealing with a long-standing situation. And you say, God, why do I have to suffer like this? I didn't cause this. What, what's going on? But I want you to know that although you may not have received the healing just yet, and, and we can't determine how God does what he does because he's sovereign. But at the end of the day, he has not forgotten you. I'm going to read something and they didn't, I didn't give this to them to pull up, but it's Psalms 34, 18. I love this scripture. When you're going through, this is one of the best scriptures you can have. My mama always told me when I was young, if you're going through anything, Willie, grab the Psalms. She was a Bible teacher. And she said, because when you go through the Psalms, the Psalms can tell you about anything you're going through in life. And I love this Psalm. You know what Psalm 34, 18 says? Oh, they pulled it up on the screen. They're doing good. Let's read it together. What does it say? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Have you ever been crushed? Have you ever felt like you've made too many mistakes to recover? That qualifies you to be close to God. Have you ever had disappointment in your life? The Lord is close to the what? Broken heart. If you know Jesus, have, who in here has ever had children? Tell me one person that's seen their child cry. And hasn't felt something on the inside that was gut-wrenching to immediately go and rescue them from whatever it was. Whether they were right or whether they were wrong, they were still your what? Child. You can see the most hardened killer locked up in handcuffs on the news. And they're putting him in the car. And while they're putting their hand on his head and he's saying all kind of crazy stuff, the last thing he probably going to say, you'll hear him say, tell my mama I love her. Why? Because no matter what I do, mama's going to love me. Uh, the love of a parent is hard to overlook. And I've come to tell you that if you're brokenhearted today, if you're like Hagar and you feel like, Lord, I made too many mistakes. My life is messed up. I don't see a bleak, I see a bleak future. I'm about to lose all the wealth because at least I was getting the welfare of being around Abram now I might not even have that I'm going to have to go out and be a vagabond and God is saying no you won't because Abraham got his wealth from me and guess what I have the cattle on the thousand hills and I'm close to the broken hearted and I save those who are crushed in their spirit Do you wake up sometimes crying at night about the mistakes you've made or the relationships that are broken that you can't get back? The Lord is close to those who are crushed in spirit. I have this little cross. I got another one because the other one broke. It's, it's called the clinging cross. And I, I love this cross. I, I pray with it. The, the lady who made this cross, her father, uh, the original one, her father was going through a sickness. And she wanted something that she could hold on to and a wall cross wouldn't work it. So she made it this cross. And you can hold it in your hand just like this. And I hold it in my hand. There's no magic in this cross. But when I feel it, it reminds me that God is close. Sometimes we feel in our life like we're alone. And God doesn't hear. That's why I love communion, because communion reminds us that God is closer than you think. 
When everybody else turns their back on you, when everybody else says they hate you, when everybody else cuts you off on Facebook, when everybody else hangs your name on the highway, when everybody else can bring up all your mistakes but can't seem to conveniently remember theirs, when they do those things to you, God is still close to you. And what say we that if God be for us, then who can be against us? Who can be against you if God is for you? You ought to be glad that you're going through what you're going through. That David said, it was good for me that I'd be afflicted because had I not been afflicted, I would not have learned your laws. I would not have learned your word. What does that mean? Your word is you. And when I come close to your word, I'm bringing you close to me. Let's move on. Jesus. He says, you shall name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be ever against everyone and everyone's hands against him. You can imagine he's got some, some, some traumatic issues. His daddy is about to throw him away. And it's through no fault of his own. He's got daddy issues. You can imagine he's got just a little bit of problem with anger. But even so, it says, and he will live in hostility towards all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. I'm asking a lot of questions tonight, but I need to ask one last one. Have you ever felt invisible? Like nobody sees what you're going through? Like you're all by yourself and the enemy lies to you. They don't care about you because they don't talk to you every five minutes. They got lives too. They can't, they can't be with you every, every 30 seconds. They have things going on too. But when you don't hear from them, the enemy will say, they don't care about you. You're by yourself. You're invisible. Have you ever been in a room full of people and felt like you were invisible? That nobody cared? But every time she calls her son's name and she thinks about this memorial in this place, she remembers something. If you don't see me, God sees me. If you don't love me, God loves me. If you don't think much of me, he gave his son to die for me. He sees me. You are not invisible. The things that are going on right now that are in your heart, that's the Holy Spirit pricking your heart. Whoever is listening to me and this is touching your heart, it's because you are not invisible. He is the God who sees. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth. There is no place on the earth, in the earth, under the earth, in this universe or any other universe that God cannot see. That means that you are never alone. You are never at a point where he doesn't care about you. He sees what you're going through. Just because he doesn't respond when you don't want him to respond doesn't mean he doesn't see what you're going through. He's just waiting for the opportune time to do it on his timetable. But I've come to tell you that God 
won't leave you comfortless. He won't leave you by yourself. He won't leave you in the pit. I hear the, the word of the Lord saying, from the belly of hell, I cried, Jonah said, and down in the depths of the dead, he heard me. I don't know about you, but I know what it's like to be in the depths. I know what it's like to be so low, you don't ever figure that you'll ever get back up again. But I also know that when I'm at the bottom, God meets me there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou rod and I stand. He might not take you out of the valley. David didn't say he took him out of the valley. He said, I'm walking through this valley. I'm in this valley right now. I'm in this situation. The situation is not ended. And the advice she gets is not the advice she wants. He tells her to go back to the place where she was just abused enough to run away. But what God is saying is, I hear you. It's going to be tough for a minute. But in the end, it's going to be all right. I don't know who needs to hear that, but somebody can give God a praise for that. It might be a rough season in your life, but in the end, it's going to be all right. Amen. You might have to go through some trials and some situations. You might have to work yourself out of some things. You might have to pay off some debt. You might have to fix some broken relationships and build some new ones. You might have to do a little time in prison, whatever you have to do. But at the end of the day, it's going to be if you would just put your hands in God's hands. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Verse 14, this, that is why the well was called Ber Lahairoi. It is still here, still there between Kadesh and Beret. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael. There's somebody that needs to birth something. <laughs> And I need to tell you that your deliverance is on the inside of you. We'll see next week that Hagar is eventually going to have to leave. But the nation is still built from the seed that was placed on the inside of her. Somebody in this room and somebody online probably feels like quitting and giving up. But there's something on the inside of you. When I was little, there was a song that says something within me holding the reins. When I feel like I've lost all control, there's something within me giving me steadiness and giving me peace. I'm not going to promise you that you're going to come out of your situation in seven days. And if you jump up and down and turn around and, and say God's got it, that it's going to be fixed tomorrow. 
But what I'm telling you is to hold on and don't let go. Have faith in God. Let not your heart be troubled. Have faith in God. Have also have faith in me, Jesus said. For in my father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would not have told you. You're going to go through some things, disciples. You're going to be martyred and killed. You're going to be poisoned and thrown off of temple mounts and run through with spears and shot with arrows. But in the end, even if you don't get it in this life, you're going to get it in the next. God is trying to raise up a faithful people who are not just following him for what they can get out of him. And says, even if I don't get it in this life, I have faith in you. And I believe you'll give it to me in the next. I have faith in you. Especially in this season, God is looking for people who are not just looking for crowds. Some people only show up to church when there's a crowd. God is looking for people that says, if there wasn't but two in the building, I still remain faithful to you. If I didn't have a dime in my pocket, I still serve you. Even if the diagnosis for the doctor was grim and it wasn't going to change, I still give you the glory. Because I worship and seek your face and not your hand. See, the problem that we have in Christianity today, and I'm not going to get on the soapbox, but it's true. We have a bunch of people seeking the hand of God and not seeking his face. They come to God for what God can do for them. They come to church for what church can do for them. Do you have the programs that I like? Do you have the music that I like? But God is looking for people that will come to him for who he is and says, God, if I was in the middle of an abandoned building with no lights and no water and no gas, I would still serve you. I thank God every week that we got music and we got all this other good stuff and we have good worship. And But if there wasn't a camera right here on me or a camera there or a camera there and screens over here and confidence monitors down here and little clocks that are running out of time on me right here, countdown clocks and nice stages, if all that stuff went away, I remember a time when I praised God in a church that didn't even have any air. You had to lift up the windows and fight the walls to go to church. And some of those days were some of the best days we had. Those people praised God harder than most people today. They didn't even need cushion pews. I'll never forget watching a deacon sitting at the front praying. And there were honeybees in the top of the church. And, and they were in the steeple. And I'll never forget him praying. That, that deacon was my father trying to swat a honeybee away while he was praying. And still praying with his eyes closed and swatting every time. And he can never stop praying. Where is the faithfulness of the saints? Are you seeking his hand or are you seeking his face? If you seek his face, he hears you. If you're seeking just his hand, you're shortchanging yourself because he has so much more than he.
God, we thank you. We thank you that you see us. We thank you that we, you hear us. Even in the darkest moments of our life, you are there. Now, God, I pray that you work out this algorithm and the places that this needs to go, it will get there. God, to be able to test the heart of somebody who's down and depressed and brokenhearted and needs to hear your word to know that even if their situation is bleak, even if they messed up, even if there seems like there's no hope, even if it seems like they've made too many mistakes, even in the mess that they've made of life or somebody's made of life for them, somebody who's suffered traumatic abuse at the hands of somebody else, and now they have to deal with the scars, God, I know that you can heal them. Be close to them. Heal the brokenhearted. And I pray, Lord God, that we have a mind and a spirit to seek your face and not just your hand. To seek you for who you are and not just what you can do for us. To love you because you are the God who sees and you are the God who hears. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Incline thy ear unto us, Jesus. We pray for those who need deliverance. We pray for those who need a healing in their body. We still believe in divine healing. We believe that you can heal. We're praying for that right now. We're, we're praying for restoration of marriages and restoration of broken relationships in the name of Jesus. For peace to broken hearts. For those who are bound in prison right now, we ask for, we ask for peace right now. For those who are bound in a prison of sin and don't know you, God, Bring them this way to know you. And we'll be careful to give you the praise. And I speak blessing on all those who hear my voice in this room and those that are online, those that will listen later by stream or podcast or whatever they choose to do. Right now, I pray that even then your anointing is working out right now, whatever their right now is. We believe it and we receive it. In the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise.